Welcome to episode 65 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, If you're hopelessly in love with someone, we have a few ideas you can stow away in your pack or use on Valentine's Day. Then on the Summit Gear Review, a mini blanket that's the perfect size for an outdoor romantic picnic for two. Next on the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll share a relationship saver for the one who refuses to stop and ask for directions. And we'll wrap up this show with a little trail wisdom from a husband and wife team who loved to be outdoors and write books about it. All this and that's about it today on The First 40 Miles. Josh, if I were to write you a love note on the trail, it would say this. Dearest Josh, you don't stink. Love, Heather. Oh, that's so nice. And maybe a little untrue as well. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) Our anniversary is pretty close to Valentine's Day. And uh, every year we take a trip. It's usually been a trip where we stay in a hotel or a and b And this year, you know, even though it's wintertime and it's been really rainy in Oregon this winter, we're determined to take a backpacking trip this time. It's just going to be a quick overnighter, and we were going to do it the day after the day that we're recording this podcast episode. The weather forecast called for a 100% chance of rain both days that we would be out, and a few activities came up for a couple of our kids. So we're pushing it another week, and we'll see what the weather forecast says the next week. But I think we're going to go anyway. I think so, yeah. Just with the kids' stuff coming up and... Some of them, like we have one child who's getting out of school early because of finals, and then she got invited to a birthday party. So we have some scheduling stuff. So we're not going to let that happen next time because scheduling stuff always comes up. I mean, there's always a reason to postpone a trip or cancel it. Stuff just comes up all the time. Uh, It's really true. And we really agonized over whether to postpone this trip another week just for that very reason. It's like, yeah... I know next week is open on the calendar, but by the time next weekend gets here, it won't be open anymore. Someone will be invited to something or there'll be some kind of activity that someone could be at. But, you know, at some point you just have to call it and say, well, we've already decided the backpacking trip is on our calendar that weekend. So that's what we're doing. I mean, it's hard to cancel plans and it's hard to kind of see your, you know, the exciting thing that you have planned just kind of vaporize. Yes, we're determined to make this happen. And because this trip celebrates two holidays in one, Valentine's Day and our anniversary, it's like this romantic backpacking trip. You know, it's going to be really fun. And it kind of got me thinking about, is backpacking a romantic activity? And I looked up the word romance and the dictionary says, yes, backpacking is the ultimate romantic activity. The dictionary says that, huh? Yes. Wow. (laughs) Here's their definition of romance. It's a quality or feeling of mystery, excitement, and remoteness from everyday life. Well, that does fit well. 
It's perfect. So backpacking is romantic. Absolutely. And then the other definition is a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. So if you love being outside, if you love being on the trail, if you love having stuff strapped to your back and getting dirt all over you, that definitely means backpacking is about as romantic as it gets. Well, what can we do on our upcoming trip to make it romantic on the trail? Carve our initials in a tree? That was how they did it back in the olden golden days. Yeah. No, I don't think we can do that anymore. I think the closest thing we could get to carving our initials in a tree would be to maybe carve our initials in the dirt with a stick. It's not as romantic and not as long lasting, but still it's the thought that counts. So I'll take that. Okay. Yeah, so if you're hiking along and you see H plus J or J plus H in the dirt. Then you know that you're on the same trail that we were on about five minutes ahead of you. Because <laughs> that's about as long as it's going to last. <laughs> Especially when it's raining. Oh, that's true. It's symbolic of our love. <laughs> symbolic of our love? What was that supposed to mean? Well, you know, you carve your initials in the tree and it lasts for like years and decades. You carve your initials in the dirt and it lasts for a few days. You carve your initials in the dirt while it's raining and it lasts about five minutes. Are you being sarcastic? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's all I was wondering. <laughs> well, for our top five list today, we have the top five romantic backpacking gifts. And some of these require a little bit of preparation before the trip and some you can just include as a part of the trip. So it's a good mix of easy and hard, depending on how much you love the person. Oh, okay. <laughs> or how hard you're trying to... To impress uh, the person. Right. Hmm. A little bit of wooing going on. Well, the number one romantic backpacking gift is to find a trail, a waterfall, or a destination that has a romantic-sounding name, and then take your true love there. So you'll probably want to skip locations like... Lake Foulweather or Battle Axe Loop Hike, which is an actual destination. Maybe not the best destination for Valentine's Day. Yeah, so you want stuff like Niagara Falls. By the way, we have one of those in Oregon. Uh, Bridal Veil Falls, Enchanted Valley. Or Paradise Point Loop Hike. Or even Placid Lake, just something relaxing. Or if you really want to step up your game, you could put in an application for a permit and then impress your loved one with the actual permit when it arrives or declare your love by saying that you've applied for this permit for both of you to go on a trip together. Well, it demonstrates that you thought ahead about it. It wasn't a last minute gift. Right. Planning ahead for future months. It means the relationship will continue. If you have a trip planned out six months ahead. If you have enough faith in your relationship to apply for a permit, <laughs> wait a few weeks for it to be issued, and then, of course, wait several months till the actual trip date. Wow. That's love. That's real love. Well, the number two romantic backpacking gift is to create a playlist to listen to while driving on your next trip. And this is something that Josh did for me before we left for the Redwoods. He created this cute little playlist of all these songs. It was like just a really great feeling mix of songs. I mean, it spanned the decades from uh, Unforgettable, the, the original Unforgettable by Nat King Cole, you know, all the way up to uh, Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. And I Hope You Dance. I think that was in the 90s, mm -hmm. right? Or the 2000s. So. 
It seems like almost everywhere that you go backpacking, you've got this uh, multiple hour drive to get to the trailhead. And so it's great to have something to listen to that really transports you from everyday life to the experience that you're about to have on the trail. Yeah, now every time I hear those songs, I think of that drive going through that little canyon on the way to the Redwoods. Really great memory. The number three romantic backpacking gift is a stowed away sweet treat to share on the backpacking trip. Josh also did this for me on our last trip, and he knows that I love fresh popcorn. So he packed some popcorn kernels, some oil, and some popcorn seasoning that my sister had sent me. Yeah, I used um, an empty travel size contact solution container for the oil, and it kept it all in, no leakage at all. And then I presented the popcorn to you, I think, on maybe day two of our trip. It, it actually took a couple more days before we had time to uh, pull out the stove and the pan and pop the popcorn. Yeah, but when we did, it was so, so good. Popcorn just has that naturally, I don't know, buttery smell when it's popping, especially when you do pan-popped popcorn. So that was just a huge highlight of the trip for me. Another sweet treat that you could bring on a backpacking trip would be those little Dove chocolates or Hershey Kisses. And these are especially great for shoulder season backpacking because they tend to melt. So if you're in a little bit cooler weather, then you can bring along these chocolates that are just wrapped in foil and they should be fine on the trail. And they're calorie dense. Totally. Oh, and if you open up the Dove chocolates, there's this little message inside. I, I opened up one time and it didn't have a romantic, lovely message. It said something like, time to clean the house or something. Oh, that's lame. I can't remember what it said. But I remember being uh, a little bit disappointed, kind of feeling like, where's the love? Uh So you do take your chances with the Dove chocolates. You don't know what the message is going to be inside. It's a little bit of a gamble, you know. Yeah, it'd be kind of weird to pre-open them to double check the messages. Yeah, that would be weird. So yes, it is a risky move romantically. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, if that's risk, (laughs) what's not? And the number four romantic backpacking gift would be a framed shot of the two of you with some really beautiful scenery in the background, which if you're both going to be out on the trail, perfect time, stop and either do like a little selfie or actually take some time to set up the picture, like just compose the photo. Don't cut off anyone's legs. Get something impressive in the background. And uh, if you step it up from a selfie, it's nice because you get a little perspective. Selfies are all face and nothing else. So take a moment, uh, hand the camera to a friend or put it on a tripod or a rock like I usually do. Take a moment to set it up. You can get a great shot. Yeah, and we will have a photography episode coming up this year. So we'll have some tips there that we can share that will improve your photography on the trail. And the number five romantic backpacking gift is a simple candlelight dinner. And this is so easy to do on a backpacking trip. It's nearly weightless. You can bring a couple of tea light candles or the Yuko micro candle lantern. So you have that that ambiance, that just beautiful glow. And then just bring some fancy paper napkins. And these are so easy to find any grocery store or even the dollar store has a little section where they have like seasonal napkins or fancy napkins. You can get a 10 pack and just take a couple of those. Another thing that they have at the dollar store that just really classes up the whole, the whole event is paper doilies. They're cheap. They make everything look really fancy, even if you're just eating on dirt and you can burn them afterwards. Another thing they have at the dollar store that's fun 
that you could just throw in is those fancy plastic fluted glasses and they have the bottoms that pop off and so they're pretty compact they're ultra lightweight and you could just take a couple of noon tablets for like a semi-fizzy beverage that also has electrolytes that's really like that's taking it to the next level that requires several steps of planning I I'm a fan of the doilies though I think that would be really cool looking to have this dehydrated meal on top of a doily. <laughs> the doilies were what stuck out in my mind too. <laughs> Just trying to grasp that a backpacking podcast Use the has landed doily. on the subject of doilies. <clears throat> I don't know what to think. <laughs> okay, we can cut out the doily part and just bring a candle and a freeze-dried meal. Call it good. Okay. I'm just saying, if you wanted to add some romance, some elegance, I mean, you're already in a beautiful area surrounded by whispering winds and fragrant pines. But if you wanted to add that extra level, that's where the doilies come in. I'm not apologizing for the doilies. We're keeping it in. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm thinking you could grab a rustic piece of wood Ooh. or um, hmm. flowers. Uh, ah. You know, some little buttercup flowers or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, stones from the creek. Oh, uh, I love it. But the Dollar Tree has doilies. So. <laughs> so if you do go out on Valentine's Day or Valentine's weekend for a backpacking trip, we hope these ideas help. Yeah, it steps up your, your romance game just a little bit. I think romance is all about effort. You know, like if you put that little extra effort into something, you know how guys shave before they go out on a date? It's that kind of thing. It's the gesture. It's the thought that counts. Okay. Now, there's probably a lot of good lessons in here for some guys <laughs> like me. I loved your idea about the flowers. Oh, thanks. Just don't pick the fragile alpine flowers. True that. That's not so good. But dandelions, pick all you want. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Matador Mini Pocket Blanket. Now, this isn't like a blanket that you would use for warmth or uh, to add coziness to your tent. This is strictly a blanket for sitting on, and it provides the perfect protection so you can sit on the ground without getting your pants all damp and dirty. It's made of hyperlight ripstop nylon. This isn't really your classic ripstop nylon that you're used to seeing. It has really tiny squares that are less than a millimeter. This little pocket blanket has an attached storage pouch and a carry loop. So you can just attach it onto the back of your pack. So if you stop for lunch, you can just pull it off, whip it out, and lay it out on the ground. And one of the really unique things about it is that when you open it up and spread out the blanket, it has little stitch marks in a pattern and so it shows you exactly where to fold it so you can get it to fit right back in this little pouch. Now I've tried stuffing it in the pouch and it totally works to stuff the little one. Um, there's This is the Matador Mini, they also have a larger one that doesn't stuff as well. But this one I've stuffed it in this little pouch and it's fine. And the folding pattern is easy, you're just folding it in half and then folding that in half and you just keep going like that. But those little stitch marks are kind of cute to just show you where your next fold is. Yeah, it's totally water repellent. It's puncture resistant. So it really is the perfect thing just to lay out on damp grass or on beach sand or dirt so you can just sit and relax. It is super light. 
It's only 1.1 ounces or 33 grams and it's 28 inches by 44 inches. When it folds up, it ends up being maybe about two inches by four inches by an, what half an inch. It's pretty compact. I mean, when they say it's a pocket blanket, you could even call it a coin pocket blanket. It's it's pretty small. Probably less than two inches by about three inches by about a half inch thick. Uh, the size of a business card? Yeah. I actually was trying to figure out the volume of this, you know, like because we usually compare things to food. But um, I couldn't really find a food that's this size. And so I put it in one of my measuring cups and it's a third cup. So it fit perfectly in my third cup measuring cup. For maintenance, the stuff sack for this little blanket is attached. So it's really easy to fold up. You just follow the lines or you could stuff it in. But it's a lot prettier when it's all folded up. And then as far as investment, it's $19.95 for the Matador mini pocket blanket. They also have a larger size of the Matador pocket blanket that's around $30. I think the funnest thing about this blanket is that when you're pulling it out of the tiny pouch, you sort of feel like a magician pulling out an endless scarf. Like it just keeps coming and coming. And then you have this nice full-sized, almost like the size of a, a bath towel, maybe a little bit larger, blanket that you can sit on. It's super convenient. It's water resistant. It's durable. And I like to think of it as a non-crinkly, super compactable tarp that doesn't feel like a tarp. You know, they say it's water resistant. I've never had it wet through. So it's very water resistant. I have. Oh, you did? Yeah. We've used this quite a few times. And I finally came across a situation where the water repellency was not enough. It's not fully waterproof. And that situation was a couple weekends ago when we went on a hike on a pretty wet day. And we stopped for lunch and draped this blanket over a mossy log. And of course, moss is like a sponge. It was just full of water. So I sat down on the blanket expecting waterproof. And you know that feeling you get when moisture is getting through? Oh, yeah. I felt that feeling and I thought, no, this blanket's waterproof. It must just be that the blanket's so thin that it's as if the water is on my pants. And so I sat there a little while longer. I was like, no, no, something's not right here. <laughs> and sure enough, water was coming through the blanket. It was seeping through. So in a very wet condition and then under pressure, this blanket will fail to be fully waterproof. And, and it really is advertised as water resistant, not waterproof. So I did a little test. I was wondering what it takes. I stuck the blanket inside, I, like I lined the inside of a strainer, and then I dumped a couple cups of water into it. And it took about four minutes for the water to completely drain through the blanket. So then when I picked up the blanket and just gave it a little shake, it was pretty much dry. So it doesn't hold on to the water, but the water can get through with some pressure. So kind of based on that experiment, I think that this would probably repel rain pretty well because the raindrops come one at a time. There's not a lot of pressure and they would just roll right off the surface of the blanket. But when you put it under pressure, so if you were going to sit on a very wet surface or uh, even use it under your tent or you know something, um, then under pressure, the water is going to push through. And for most cases, I think people will be using it on dirt. You know, they want to sit down, but they don't want to sit on the dirt, so they want to lay out a little blanket. Yeah, so it's a great way in drier conditions to protect your clothing. 
And if it's a little damp, like a lawn, you're probably fine. Uh, just don't try mossy logs. If you are interested in the larger version of the Matador pocket blanket, it weighs 3.7 ounces and it actually has weights in the four corners so that the blanket won't blow away. This one doesn't have weights in it, it's, it's just barely over an ounce. Anyway, there's the Matador mini pocket blanket, perfect blanket for two. It's an ultralight piece of gear that may just replace your camp chair. For today's backpack hack of the week, double checking reverse polarity on your compass. Nothing can cause a marital melee or a relationship rift faster than a couple quarreling over directions. And in a forest, you can't just stop at the nearest gas station. Not like you would. But if you're using a compass to navigate and it has gone awry, you may start to get off course. Compasses can reverse polarity. And so what happens is the red part of the needle that's supposed to point north, it ends up pointing somewhere towards south. The problem is it doesn't point, it usually doesn't point exactly south when that situation happens. It's usually 10 degrees off, but it could even be off by more. And so you get in this situation where your compass starts sending you almost the opposite direction that you really should be going. And I wonder, this has never happened to my compass. And I've had the same compass since I was a teenager, but apparently it depends on where you put your compass. And so if you carry it in your pocket right next to your cell phone or something else that creates a strong enough magnetic field, then this can happen to your compass. Well, fortunately, there's a way to double check your compass if you are worried that it may have reversed polarity. Our planet's sun, our planet's sun. <laughs> planet's sun. <laughs> the sun. The sun. It always rises in the east and it always sets in the west. In the wintertime, it's really hard to see it sometimes, but in the summertime, when you're gonna be doing probably most of your backpacking, you're gonna get a strong sunrise in the east and a good solid sunset in the west. In case the sun isn't shining, there's another way that you could uh, determine if your compass is pointing the right direction, and that is to pull out your map and look at the contour lines. And so if your compass has you going in a direction that's downhill, but the map contour lines indicate that you should be going uphill, then you know you've got a problem and your compass may have reversed polarity. So then you can start reading the contour lines as a way to figure out which way to go. You kind of have to put the compass away at that point and just start looking at contour lines to figure out where to go. Now, I've heard that it's possible to reverse the reverse polarity using a strong magnet, but... The best solution may be just to send your compass back to the company that you bought it from and they can fix it for you or buy a new compass. But really, having it fixed is a totally legit solution. Silva does this. You can send your compass to them. doesn't matter how old it is. If you bought a Silva compass, you can always send it back to Silva and they will realign the polarity. So I'm kind of curious if any of our listeners have ever had that happen to their compass. Because it's never happened to me, but for some people it happens frequently just because of where they're using their compass. So if anyone has had that happen, I'd be really interested in kind of hearing your story. You could just comment on Facebook or Twitter. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from Anne and Myron Sutton. Anne and Myron Sutton are a bit of a mystery they're prolific authors. They've written some fabulous books with amazing sounding titles, but they are not anywhere online. I mean, not a wiki page, not a 
No Amazon author page. Nothing. Yeah, but they wrote books like Journey into Ice, Nature on the Rampage, The American West, A Natural History, The Life of the Desert, The Wild Shores of the North America, Yellowstone. I mean, just some really fun titles. And yet, there's nothing. So, Anne and Myron, if you are listening, <laughs> we would love to hear more about Anne and Myron Sutton. Husband and wife team, I'm assuming. And, uh... This is what they said. Continually, I think back on the pleasures that I've had on the trail and the teachings that it has imparted to me and how those pleasures and those teachings have given me happiness and a greater understanding of how to bring fullness and richness into my life. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. You did say a kid in every park last episode, which does set the bar pretty low (laughs) for the every kid in a park initiative. (laughs) Well, what what could we... (laughs) Well, what? what? (laughs) Those are the two words (laughs) that I'm trying to get out.